coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweet and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios for yet another episode of the right hash feels like we just started feels like football season just started and boy here we are finally with rivalry week in the books conference championship week nfl is heating up as always it's been heating up uh but lots of stuff to talk about today uh luke ned carney alex thompson here with you alex how are you doing today did you have a good thanksgiving yeah man i had a great thanksgiving um it was very busy didn't get as much sleep as i was hoping for but that's because we had just had wall-to-wall athletics, it seemed like, from Wednesday night all the way until your Washington football team moved into the wildcard slot last night. It was just wall-to-wall athletics coverage. It was great. How about yours? Was, I, had a, I had a good Thanksgiving. It was quick. I drove up to Charlottesville, was there for about 24 hours, and I saw both sides of my family. That was, that was cool. Uh, was really busy. Had, had, a lot of, had a lot of work, work going on. Um, but... Yeah, Washington getting that win last night against Seattle, making me do they're doing a little little just enough to make me believe before probably we're gonna fall apart in December in the divisional race. But um still then, fun fun that we're in the we're in the running. Definitely fun that, that we're in the running. I, I didn't expect us to be in the playoff race when the calendar turned to December. Not a lot of fans. Everyone wants us to tank. I'm not one of those people. Our guest today uh, has a lot of experience in that department. Um but but yeah, man, I'm I'm really glad that the uh the, the, the Washington football team got the W last night. I, I think they may have been reading your tweets because you were pretty uh adamant not about not wearing the all burgundy and you said you guys had never won in the all burgundy. We had never won in the all burgundy, not once. But by, by by the way, they look they look sharp to me. Um I don't know if yours is just the aesthetics or if it's the history, but they look sharp to me and they played sharp for the most part last night. Um so uh throw away the record books on that one the biggest fan of color on color uniforms not the monochromes as they're called not not my biggest thing we i could do a whole show on nfl uniforms and college football uniforms uh but we have other things to do today um we have we have our <laughs> second guest in uh, in show history a few shows ago we had miles speed uh this guy from uh, uh, for us also comes from the charlottesville area he and i also also go way back fellow monticello high school graduate uh baseball player extraordinaire uh, he's doing some coaching now. Uh, welcome, Connor Lilly, to the right hash. Connor, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. I, I appreciate you guys having me on today. And I, I got to agree with you. There's something about those all burgundies that just don't work for me either. I, I can't put my finger on it. I think I can. And I think it's because they look so much like Virginia Tech, which is your least favorite college football team. <laughs> I got to say, man, my Thanksgiving was perfect because I had plenty of family Plenty of food and plenty of football heartbreak this weekend. Oh, that's awesome, man. Connor Lilly joining us on the right hash on the Speedy Customs hotline. Uh, Speedy Custom from from uh, Miles Speed, one of our previous guests, a, uh, a designing sneakers and repairing sneakers, any design you want, uh, sports teams, cartoon characters, visit speedycustoms.com. That's customs with a Z. Uh, give Miles a shout out. He's getting ready for exams right now, so I don't, I don't know how much work he'll be doing on the shoes in the next few weeks. But uh, he's he's uh, he's one of our one of our friends of the program too. And and Connor, um, that I mean, before we get into that game on Saturday, uh, we usually open our show with fantasy football talk. 
and you said you're in two money leagues. Yeah, that's right. I had um, I'm sitting at about the same place as both leagues. I was at uh, you know six and five going into the weekend, and I had one big win and one terrible loss. I got to say, my biggest mistake of the week was. Um, being scared that Cordero Patterson was going to tweak his ankle and be out for the rest of the game. So I sat him and he went off for like 29 points. So there it is. I do that all the time. I, I get these like weird things in my head. Like a couple weeks ago, I had Kirk Cousins going against the Packers and I just, I didn't like the matchup. So I just swapped him out for Baker Mayfield. And I was like, well, that, cause he was playing the lions. And I was like, well, he's playing yep. the lions. Right. Like, it's kind of like me with Washington. I, I usually pick up Washington opponents if I have an, an opening. Because, I mean, of course, they'll torch us, and, and it never works out that way. Um, but, um, Alex, jump in here, because you're also in multiple leagues. I only do one league, and you, uh, in our league, uh, you said last week you're kind of kind of leaving that one behind, and uh, this other league you're in, um, you're, you're in a little bit better shape. Yeah, uh, uh, until, the, until the ambulance hit my team, dude. I lost Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Darren Waller, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel all on Sunday in that league. So um, I, 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 don't even, I don't even know what to do at this point. I'm just kind of uh, the coaching carousel is keeping my mind off of my fantasy teams right now. <laughs> I, it, was, it, was not a, it was not a fun week for me. I had the low score. I, I, I'm in a double league. So we have double the positions, and it's the same scoring, but it's double the positions. And I still only barely scored more than I scored in our standard league with half the positions. It was just not a good week for me whatsoever. So I'm 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 gonna have to politely punt on the fantasy football talk from my end this week. But I do want to go back to something Connor said about uh, um, being a little bit apprehensive to play CPAT. And I'll just give you one piece of advice. You don't need two ankles to run wild on the Jaguars' defense, so never let that stop you again. <laughs> it's it's so true. It is so true. I, I can't believe I said it. Alex, both a Jaguars fan and a Tennessee fan, so he's well qualified to make those statements. Yes, yes. I'm a big CPAT fan. Uh, he, he was. I have him in that double league as well, so he made my score look somewhat presentable, but he was... Uh, you know, one fifth of my scoring, which is just not good when, when, when you're talking about a league that scores 200, 220 on average. Um, I scored about a hundred last week. So um, Cordero Patterson really, really helping carry the load. He's going to have to be, be my uh, RB one going forward um, unless they move Debo to running back, which maybe they should do that as well. Since uh, Cordero Patterson gets the, the double qualification, I think they should consider moving Debo to the double qualification. He might yeah. be the most valuable player in football and fantasy football if he was able to play running back as well. Okay, so so back to a question I asked at the top of last show, Luke. When he's healthy, is Debo Samuel the best wide receiver in fantasy or in the NFL? You can you can I, uh, distinguish. I, I let's let's keep it to fantasy. I'll, I'll keep it to fantasy just to keep from getting getting wordy here. But but yeah, I think so. With the ability to also run the football, regardless of whether he's given that designation of a running back or a wide receiver, you know our our league's got a flex position. You can play uh, either one there. But yeah, I think really any running back with that extra elements their game, and with the extent that. Kyle Shanahan uses Debo Samuel in that respect. Yeah, I think all that added together, I think that does make him like, you know, if if he's definitely in the discussion, you know, I, I'm not going to 
not the expert enough to be like, yes, he definitely is. But he's somebody that I think every fantasy expert uh, in America would say ha- having the discussion. Yeah, it's, it's hard to put an absolute on it. But if if I could say one thing for Debo is that he's probably been the most consistent player from a scoring perspective this entire fantasy season. Um, I mean, he really scores 15 to 30 points, depending on what your your scoring uh, settings are, whether you're PPR or not. But um, I, I think that's maybe the biggest uh, testament to him is they know it's going to go to him, and he still finds a way to squeak out a 50-yard touchdown somehow every single week and uh, just play consistently. Hopefully this injury he's got is not too bad and only has him miss a week or two um, because it's just been fun watching what he does. Yeah, just Connor. From, sorry, go ahead, uh, Connor. I'll ask my question. Just, just from just from a red zone standpoint alone, it's it's gives you the double whammy of being able to score either way, right? Just from having that extra six points, you can get it running or passing. A lot of receivers you get within the five yard line, you're in trouble. Yeah, and that they they're always drawing something up for him. You know, it, when Kittle came back, I, I think people thought it was going to take away from Debo, but if anything, I think it helps him because it's just. It's one. It's one less person that can focus on Debo from a receiving aspect. Um, really interested to see what the 49ers do uh, next year when they get you know their stable of running backs back. If they still resort to putting Debo back there because he's looked really good back there. He's looked natural. Um, you know, and that's that's been the way some of these NFL teams have been going. We saw it with Curtis Samuel in Carolina. I assume we'll probably see it as he gets a little bit healthier in Washington. Um, you know, ha- having that Swiss Army knife gadget type player start off in the backfield seems like it's becoming a little bit more normalized in the NFL. So I'm interested to see if that's just a byproduct of them being injured at the running back position, or if that's really just because they want to get the ball in his hands any way they can. Did either one of you have a gut feeling on that? Um, I think I think it has I think it just has to do with getting your best player the ball. And Debo with Kittle being injured on and off this year and Debo now dealing with some injuries, but Debo was the most you know important player uh, on that offense going back to with Raheem Mostering her at the beginning of the year. That took yep. away from their run game and e- Eli Mitchell has really emerged as one of those you know between the tackles runners uh, that an offense needs uh, in order to function. But I, I think it's just kind of just a matter of getting your best player involved. Yeah, and what we've seen that with, uh, you know, a guy we've talked about already with Cordell Patterson. Um, also, uh, th- thankfully, he's got to stick around the league long enough for his position to to finally develop into that, you know, that they just have athletes now that they just, you get the ball in their hands, whether it's in the backfield, whether it's on a screen, whether it's, you know, just something across the middle get the ball into these guys' hands and let them go be them instead of feeling like you just have to stick to some, you know, textbook, play calling and positional setups. I I, I like the creativity that is coming out in today's NFL and today's college game to its respect too. Yeah, and uh, Connor in a few minutes can speak to the uh, Virginia Cavaliers offense under Bronco Mendenhall. You're kind of using some guys like that. Uh, But Connor, have you ever been in a situation where you are playing against one guy in one league that you have on your team in another league in the same week. It's the fastest way to ruin a Sunday. I mean, I, I've, I've run up against it many times and it's just, 
you want you just are looking at the scores like which one can I steal one game? Can I win two games? What do I want to happen here? And obviously you have no control anyway, but you can just torture yourself throughout your Sunday that way. <laughs> so 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 I'm I'm one of those people that's only in one fantasy league. I only do one NCAA tournament bracket. I might enter multiple pools, but I only do one set of picks. So where does a lot of this appeal of playing multiple leagues come from if what you just described happens? For, for me, the appeal is just uh, more a matter of the social aspect um, with different places that I've been. I have a work league or, you know, a, a former workplace league and then a, you know, a personal friends league. So it's one of those things where I've just kind of picked up the leagues over the years and, and uh, you know, run with them. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Definitely. Um, and, uh, Alex, is that sort of part of a reason you do multiple leagues as well? I used to do way more. I used to be in six to eight every year, and I've trimmed that back down to two this year just because, you know, like you said, it, at, at a certain point, you know, you're playing against the people that you've drafted, and it just gets so stressful because, you know, you'll have a week where your guy will blow up and the other guy's guy will blow up, you know, the uh, for your other league. And you'll you'll just find a way to lose both games. And it just feels <laughs> horrible. And I, I was tired of it. So I kept my the double league since it's very different from anything else I've been in. And the standard league, which, you know, has been going on for uh since middle school, early high school. Um, and it's just one of those we're we're, we're gonna keep that alive until we croak. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, switching gears here as we uh, we wrap up our fantasy segment and talk about real football now. Football on the gridiron, not on the computer or on the, the, the iPhone. Um, the, the Commonwealth Cup returns to Blacksburg. You know, didn't leave Blacksburg after last year. Well, it was there for 15 years. T- took a little trip to Charlottesville. And then, then Tech decided, hey, you're, you're coming back home. And Boy, that, that game on, on Saturday, Connor, I think it was a lot more than just that play call at the end with the pass to the offensive lineman. You know, the fans are, are most upset about that. And, and, but I, I think, you know, the, everything leading up to that, you know, that, that was kind of just the culmination of Virginia playing an underwhelming game in a game where they had really every edge coming in. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think the most of the, you know, the hate for the fans that comes with that last play is more to do with the, the jokes that come with it, right? But um, I, quite frankly, when we had the ball, when UVA had the ball moving down the field, you know, down five late after getting a very fortunate turnover, um, you know, I was pretty frankly amazed that, that UVA was still in the game and had a chance to win because they had made so many mistakes throughout the game, right? Um, you have... Dontavian Wicks, who's first team all ACC receiver today, dropped, you know, four passes right that are right in his hands. Stuff that just didn't happen all season. Um, you know, the defense giving up big plays, that's nothing new. But um, certainly they had the more talented team. They had um, and they had the better quarterback and um, and and they weren't able to get it done ultimately. Yeah. And what's weird is that the score was relatively low. You know, you you you'd think that um you think that that if if you know Virginia playing a game against a rival like that, that the offense would be humming. I know Brennan Armstrong had been dealing with some injuries, um, but do you think that, you know, this this system that Bronco Mendenhall runs with kind of what we talked about a few minutes ago, not necessarily stick keeping guys at uh, positions like Keaton Thompson, for example, um, you know, using him as a football player, 
do you think when you run into like you run into a very conventional system like Virginia Tech runs or you know like do you think that is a little bit of a disadvantage? Um, I, that's a tough that's a tough question. I think I don't think so. I think they were effective in a lot of ways. I think that they um, shot themselves in the foot several times. Right, you get Thompson out on on a on a screen coming back on a on a throwback to the quarterback, and he's off and running, and of course he fumbles. Right. What are you going to do about that? You fumble in the red zone. You should score there. Um, you know, the bigger gripe for me is is the in-game decisions, right? I think the system is fine. I think um, things like going after blocking a punt inside of your opponent's 10-yard line when you have Brennan Armstrong and you're up seven, right? That that seems like a bad decision to me. And, I'm, you know, I'm just a fan, right? But uh, things like that, things that are in-game seem like a bigger problem than the system to me at this time. Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense. And um, but but to me, those are things that can be fixed a little bit easier than uh, you know, a system being flawed. I think, you know, Bronco Mendenhall's got Virginia in a position that they really, frankly, haven't been in our, our lifetime. You know, you and I, you and I went, went to many, many games growing up you know, in the grow era. There were butts and seats, but the team never really they never went to the Orange Bowl under Al Grow. Bronco took them to the Orange Bowl. You know, we remember the London years. We don't talk about the London years. So it, it just, to me, I, I, and I haven't been to a game in a few years. I haven't lived in Charlottesville for a few years. But but to me, as somebody who spent uh, two decades going to games and kind of living as an average to below average ACC team uh, for most of my childhood, it just seems weird to me that you would – that somebody like Bronco Mendenhall who's taken the team to these heights would fall out of favor so quickly with – uh, quite frankly, a team that's not or a, a program that's not a, a blue blood program in college football. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, the way I kind of see that is, and it's hard for me to speak for UVA fans, right? We see uh, all kinds of stuff on Twitter. For me, I think it's not too late for Bronco to succeed at UVA. Um, I, I just, I just question whether he will be willing to make the staff changes that he needs to make in order to have that success. I think there's people on his staff that are holding him back right now. And since he brought these people over in a whole group from BYU, right, he's kept that staff together for the most part, right? He's lost a couple guys here and there, but for the most part, he hasn't fired anybody. It's been guys leaving for new jobs. Um, So to me, it's more of a question of, can this guy put the people in place to do what they need to do? Because I think the other thing that people are tired of, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that point is, People are kind of tired of these gimmicks for the players in terms of accountability, right? You earn your jersey. It's not given. Um, you know, these these types of things that's like, are the coaches being held accountable in the same way when they make mistakes as well? Um, because generally for Bronco Mendenhall, if there's a problem with a player, even if he doesn't uh, replace them during the season, he'll go to the transfer portal immediately and replace them. Um, and that hasn't been the case with the coaching staff. Yeah, that. Stuff it works early on. You saw it early on in his first couple of years, and people bought into it. But frankly, you shouldn't need stuff like that if you've already gone to an Orange Bowl. You know, if you're out recruiting, you should be able to say like, "Hey, we 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 went to a New Year's Six Bowl. We took a program like Virginia that isn't known for its football program, and we took them to uh, you know what what used to be a BCS Bowl, one of the premier bowls in college football. In uh, a and you shouldn't need. Things like that, you know, like earning your earning your jersey number to to stand out, and yet, you know, it kind of seems like that this this staff seems like 
they still do need that uh, in order to to gain an edge, I guess. Yeah, certainly recruiting wise, it seems that way. And and quite frankly, they haven't been able to have hardly any success at all in the state of Virginia, right? They'll get a kid here and there, but that's something that um, they weren't able to really do under Al Groh. And um, they, they were able to do under London, but not with that kind of consistency. They had some splashes, but um, it's been a long time since the state of Virginia has been consistently recruited by um, by the EBA staff. Yeah, and speaking of that, Virginia Tech uh, hiring Brent Pry from uh, Penn State today, former defensive coordinator, who um, he has ties to to the state of Virginia. Um, I personally think having ties to the area is a little bit of a of overrated when hiring a coach. Uh, we saw that with Tony Bennett, um, but uh, the, the the I think the the biggest the bigger loser in this is not really Virginia. Uh, because Virginia doesn't, as you said, doesn't recruit the, the Commonwealth a whole lot. Uh, North Carolina certainly does. Um, and I, I think that uh, I think that you'll see a lot of these these players, these five stars, four stars that are going to North Carolina from Virginia. That, that might be more of a pipeline to Virginia Tech now with this new staff. And, and Hokie fans seem really excited about this guy. I, I don't know how much you've been seeing like on Twitter in this you know several hours that he's been hired. But, but everything I see has been really positive from from Blacksburg. Yeah, I agree, and I think the I think the bigger fear for UVA fans, honestly, is his ties to Anthony Poindexter, right? What what would it be like to see him in the maroon and orange down at the <laughs> stadium, or even even worse at Scott Stadium in a couple of years, right? That is just a after this weekend of gut punches, that would be the biggest gut punch of all for sure. Broncos going to be around another year. There's no way they can financially get their way out of that, but right. Um, you know, they're tied to him, but it's it's kind of a weird time for UVA fans seeing Fuente leave and, and Bronco hanging around. Yeah, and especially, I mean, if, if you know, even if they could get out of Bronco's deal or whatever, Bronco would get a job somewhere else. You know, it's not like he'd be he'd be sulking somewhere. Somebody would hire him. No doubt. No doubt. Because he, he's a program builder. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, we saw what he did at BYU and. You know, that was that that was a hire that really knocked my socks off when it when it happened. I, you know, it just came totally out of left field, but not in a bad way. It was like you know, it was it was just as if like, oh, didn't think UVA was even talking to this guy, but turns out there he is. And um, the 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 other one other question I, I wanted to touch on before we 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 uh, we let you go, Connor. Actually, there's two things I wanted to get to. One's football, one's baseball. But the crowds at Scott Stadium don't seem proportional to how good the team was, or at least earlier in the season, how good the team was playing despite this losing streak to end the year. Yeah. And it's funny because you, you had mentioned kind of the mid to late two thousands there, right. To, to reference. And there were a lot of fans in the stands at that time, despite the fact that the team was um, mediocre to good at best. Um, And I think it's one of those things. The two biggest things that I would point to is, um, ticket prices, number one, certainly, because not everybody can make it to every game. And as a season ticket holder, I can tell you that it's very easy to, you know, sell those tickets on StubHub and undercut the prices by half because you know that no one's going to pay $125 to sit in your section for, you know, the Georgia Tech game or whatever it is. So, I, you know, that that that's part of it. Um, the other part is something that they can't really do anything about is the fact that, um, every game is on TV now, right? So, you know, back then, if if you wanted to go to every game, if you wanted to see every game, you had to go to every game at home. That's no longer the case. Um, Not that that's a bad thing. I love that, but um, that's that's kind of a byproduct of that. 
Yeah, I remember those games that were would never be on. Like you, the only way to listen to was the radio. And I, I mean, I, I, li- I literally work in uh, the college sports radio hub of of this country. So I, I do, I do kind of miss those days when it was like literally the only way you could get to it was Mac McDonald on the radio. I fell in love with UVA football and basketball to the to the voice of Mac McDonald. There's there's no doubt. Yeah, and how, how about John John Freeman, who is is part of the Mac McDonald broadcasting tree? Uh, not that Dave Kane wasn't great to listen to uh, himself, but um, I, Dave having a great time with the Bucks right now. I know uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, um, but John Freeman, uh, really glad to see him in the, as the new voice of the Who's, and hopefully he's there for a, a good long time. Uh, but, but Connor, we won't um, we won't we won't make you talk about the Lions. Uh, but but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Connor, a really big Detroit sports fan, uh, as loyal as they come uh, to teams that do nothing but kick you in the nads over and over again. Uh, but Tigers making a big free agent signing today. Um, I know that I, th- I would say I don't know. Probably the Tigers are probably your number one team. Uh, I, I would guess out of out of your favorite teams professionally. Yeah, I'd say Tigers and then Lions, just because I'm a sucker and I love football, but. You know, Tigers are definitely on top just because I do love baseball and it, they've actually been relevant in my lifetime. So that helps. Yeah, no, no. but uh, Javi Baez looks like he could be a, be a Detroit Tiger for the next, what was it, six years or something? Yeah, it looks like it's six years. Um, looks like he could opt out after two. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. No, I, it's 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 not a bad deal. I think for the money, they're getting um, a decent value. I'm not a hobby bias fan. I'm on the right podcast to talk about um, hobby bias though. Cause you guys are at least guys. Um, so yeah. any, any thoughts on hobby bias? I do not think he's a great player. He's very undisciplined at the plate. And you know, I, I just don't think his power is going to play well in America park. I, I just think going to the Mets is kind of like a black hole of, of baseball, which is why I'm not, I'm not getting worked up over this Max Scherzer deal. It's just like, oh, he's going to Queens. It's like when, when you know, when free agents would go to Washington uh, in the in the '90s and 2000s when Dan Snyder had just bought the team. It's like, oh, that's where their career ends. Um, Albert Hainsworth. Yeah, Albert Hainsworth. That's literally just the tip of the iceberg. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think he's like one of those players that everyone should be like, oh my gosh, Javi Baez signed somewhere. But uh, he's going to be an upgrade for the Tigers. I mean, this is a team that should. Flashes of brilliance last year. Um, I kind of mostly followed them through your through your Twitter your Twitter page, uh, but it, it, he's definitely a, 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 an upgrade. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that he's an upgrade. It's for Tigers fans. It's just disappointing because they've gone through five years of tanking. Right, 2017 through 2021 is really just saying, "Hey, we're not going to spend money because we're going to build until we're ready," and they're ready. They've got. You know, three really young pitchers, Casey Myers, Tarek Skubal, and Matt Manning. They signed Eduardo Rodriguez from the Red Sox. That's a great signing. So that, that, that's one that I love. Um, and they've also got two guys coming up from the minor leagues after their service time manipulation in a couple months um, that are going to really help them. So it's like, all right, we're ready to go. We had one of the lowest payrolls in baseball last year with a huge contract about to come off the books with Miguel Cabrera in 2023. Let's get moving and spend some money. So we, you know, you would have liked to sign a guy like Seager, right? But it is what it is. Yeah. And real, real quick before, before we let you go and, and get on with your life, uh, you're, you're active on Twitter at Lily Connor. Um, and you had an adventure this summer with, with the Tigers, a trip up to Comerica park. Um, I, I, I kind of got the gist of what happened, but you, you, you just reached out to them on Twitter Asked for tickets, and it had it had to do with Miguel Cabrera, right? 
Yeah, so I've actually never told the the true version of this publicly, so you guys are getting the right hash exclusive. Oh, heck, excellent. Yeah, so um, breaking it, news. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it uh, it came about that um, my aunt who lives in Detroit and my dad's sister, she had ran into a couple of days worth of baseball tickets um, for the Tigers, and she called up me and my sister and uh, said, you know, do you want to come up? And we said, hey, let's do it. And, you know, didn't know that we, I mean, we knew that Miguel was getting close, but this was two weeks away. We didn't know that he was going to be right on. And he starts hitting home runs and hitting home runs. And the night before, I see that they're going to be in Baltimore on our way up. And we, you know, we say we're going to the game and uh, reached out to them on Twitter at that point and uh, said, hey, can we get some free tickets to come on Friday, you know, to come up to Detroit the next night? um sending a picture of us from the baltimore game and sure enough they reached out and uh they they were really nice about it they gave us some free tickets and um you know it's my pinned tweet on my twitter page that uh they did uh they did a little interview during the game as well so that was fun but yeah the tigers were really cool about it man that was uh that was quite an experience <laughs> how how often do you think they get people being like man we're just dying to come watch the tigers play <laughs> <laughs> They probably oh, thought there was no shot in hell that I was actually <laughs> going to drive from Baltimore to Detroit in you know twenty four hours to get there. But that that is you got you got on the on the TV broadcast. I said that's what I saw on Twitter. That was like, whoa, hold on, what what, what happened here? And then I kind of dug back and was like, dude, this is this is pretty awesome, man. This is what you couldn't you couldn't do this back in the day. Oh, I know. And the funny thing is, is we were sitting at dinner. They had given us the free tickets, and we didn't know that we were going to be on TV. And, um, and we didn't tell the Tigers that we were already on our way up to Detroit anyway. And, you know, I, you know, obviously they would have had no way of knowing that. But um, my sister and I kind of looked at each other when they reached out and said, you know, you guys are going to be on TV. And we said, oh, we got to get our story straight. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Man. Excellent. Well, Connor, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for joining us, man. We're really stoked to have you. We know you've been you've been a dedicated follower of the show since episode one. Um, and, and I know going back, yeah, you've been, been, a, been a, uh, an avid fan of my, my, uh, a lot of my sports work. So we, we appreciate it, man. Uh, always good to talk sports with you. I, I have one question for Connor real quick before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since, since you guys have made your own show over here, just left me on mute. Um, I've got a quick question for Connor. Th first off, thank you for our first grinder question last week, asking us what our top fights in sports were. You know, of course, we... we we both settled on the our favorite fight was the Malice in the Palace. But before you head off, excluding the Malice in the Palace, what is your favorite sports fight? Wow! So back in the, back in the grinder, we're turning the tables on the grinder. <laughs> ha, ha, have to. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you my live and my um, you know and my recorded. My live is you guys mentioned both of them. The Don Zimmer. Throwdown was unbelievable so to watch. So, 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 so good, unbelievable to watch. Watch that moment unfold um, on my Saturday afternoon as a kid. That was great. Um, and the second was one that I had forgotten about until that episode when Luke mentioned it, and that is the Jailhouse Rock infamous Clemson versus South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That Such is an underrated. It's underrated. It's a forgotten no one. one. Nobody talks. Nobody talks about it anymore. And it might be the most wild one I've ever seen. That was, that was like a full, full team brawl, and there were fans uh, involved. Yeah, oh, it was unreal, and you know, at, it was only made better by Rick Doc Walker being on the call because he was just 
hyping it up. And that's oh, just man. I miss him. Yeah. I, still follow, I still follow him on Twitter. <laughs> he's a big, he's a big, he used to be on the Redskins broadcasts too. Yeah, no, such <laughs> such a great voice for Saturday afternoons in the ACC. For those those mediocre games, man, like Virginia versus Duke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the noon kicks on, on, on Raycom. <laughs> Wake Forest, NC State, baby. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, but, man, thanks, thanks a lot for joining us, man. We hope, we hope you thanks, had as Connor. much fun as we had. Um, and we'll, we'll, we will talk to you down the line, man. Alex, Luke, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Oh, man, and drop your Twitter thanks, handle man. one more time for, uh, for anyone who wants to follow. That's right. It's uh, Lily Connor, L-I-L-L-E-Y-C-O-N-N-O-R. And uh, thanks for having me on the right hash. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. That's Connor Lilly. You heard his Twitter handle. Give him a follow. He, uh, he provided us with our first grinder question. Uh, one of our, our most dedicated listeners. Pretty knowledgeable guy about sports, too. Uh, he he, he kind of gives us a run for our money, money sometimes talking about uh, talking about the Detroit sports scene. Um, but, yeah, Alex, Damn. boy, we, we, that's a tough act to follow. Now it's just us, and we're like, well, where, where are we at now? Yeah, I'm. I I, I got to go piece myself back together. I'm feeling a little bit insecure after Connor was able to just step in, and I mean, you got you guys could just run your own show. You don't even you don't even need me. You could go yeah, over gonna, and do your own thing. We're gonna need a guest from your side of the family, so to speak. Next. Oh um, yeah. Well, so. I, I've I've got them. I've got them uh, ready for some of our uh, basketball and hockey uh, talk that we get into a little bit later. That's where. That's what that's where my side of the, the aisle will start to come in. Um, you know, I, I, I like to listen to both of our opinions on football because I, th- I think we know more about football than a lot of folks that I know. But when we start branching out into these other sports, uh, I'm going to call in some experts who know a little bit more about those things than I do. Um, so it, we've had some just absolutely fantastic guests so far. I think we're two for two with Miles and Connor. Both of those guys could just as easily hop onto this every day with us and, and do it just as well as we do, I think. Um, so big thanks to Connor coming on. Big thanks uh, to the previous episode we had Miles on. Um, the, these guests have been fantastic. We hope you guys are, are enjoying them too. Uh, everyone got to hear a little bit of a different side of, uh, of Luke. We don't talk too much about uh, the Cavaliers football team on here very often. So uh, kind of cool to to venture off into that side of college football and you know to to that side of your football universe. Yeah, and and I, I'm actually glad we got to talk a little bit about the uh, the Hokies' new coach because even before that happened today, we had tons of coaching carousel stuff to talk about, and we were super hyped to 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 get on today's show because so much has happened. Like, I had I, mean, I had where to, do we I start? Had to edit where my notes. Really, where are we going to start? Are we going to start with Billy Napier? Because that's the, just the one that's like, okay, check, out of the way. Florida made one of those kind of generic mid-major to major hires. Um, and then, yeah, then then here comes USC, uh, just just snatching Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma you know, under a cover of darkness, essentially. And, and then Brian Kelly. I mean, it's just, and it's going to get crazier before it gets calmer. First off, I'll tell you where I start. And it's with me acknowledging how wonderful it is to finally be on the outside looking in on just a hellacious coaching search. I feel like Tennessee has been involved in the last two major Twitter coaching searches, you know, flight trackers and, you know, John Gruden rumors, the groomers uh, season was going (laughs) on. Like just Twitter was a place I hated to be because everyone had a source. 
everyone knew someone in the athletic department and given us different pieces of information to either either hate or really really attach onto and hope that it's true um just a very uh emotional time frame thankfully for some of these schools uh they've moved a lot faster in, in their hiring than uh the previous coaching searches um but yeah i just wanted to start thankfully i'm on the outside looking and finally it's nice to be able to enjoy it from this perspective um, and yeah, I, even since I took my notes this morning, I mean, I, I've had to change things. We had Mark Stoops sign that uh, mm-hmm. extension with Kentucky, effectively taking his name out of the running at Oklahoma, um, which I had a whole segment ready to go to advocate for Mark Stoops to Oklahoma. And I just had to hold on to my backspace button, delete all of that, uh, because he's staying at Kentucky much to the elation of the Kentucky and Tennessee fan bases combined. Um, I'm happy to see him stay because he's 2-7 and seven against us. Um, Kentucky's happy to see him stay. Their program's never been better, except for under a guy you may have heard of named Bear Bryant way back in the day. Um, he's doing an absolutely fantastic job. This carousel has been... At, ca- carousel is too slow of a word. Uh, what We're like... what We're on that... Th- I don't know what the... Is it a tilt-a-whirl? Where you don't even wear a seatbelt, you're just kind of held it's, to it's the back the, of it. Due it's to the, the teacups. It's the teacups at Disney World where everyone throws up. They go so yeah, fast, everyone just throws up. I've never been to Disney. I've been Me to the either. State Fair. Um, and that, there's the, the, this is the same ride that folks throw up on, too. It's, you have the, I don't know if you know what ride I'm talking about, but it's basically centrifugal force that keeps you. Um, yeah, kind of like I think it's in. a circle and you're yeah. strapped in on your back. Yeah, it's like a yeah. like a spaceship, like a UFO type ride. Yeah, I know um, exactly what you're talking that, about. That's what this feels like. Like carousel gra- is nice. The gravitron, the gravitron, <laughs> something like that. This one just feels so much more high RPM than <laughs> any other coaching carousel we've ever had. Or, um, or you know the the scram? Have you seen the, the? Do they have the scrambler? It's like you're seated the on these, like, Yeah, you're seated on like the benches, and it's like it goes. It's not like up and down, but it goes. It, it kind of jerks. It's kind of like the teacups at Disneyland, but it's suspended as opposed to up from the it, ground. It, it, it spends like benches worth of people. It's, it's an yeah. old uh, roller coaster tycoon ride, the Scrambler. Yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Uh, but anyway, j- just to recap what Luke said uh, Lincoln Riley going to USC, Brian Kelly going to LSU, Florida hires Billy Napier, Virginia Tech hires Brent Pry. Um, had a had a couple of openings as a result of that. So Oklahoma's now open. Notre Dame's now open. Uh, Duke also is now open, even though it's a little bit of a, a lower tier of a program. It is now open after they decided to move on from Coach Cutcliffe. Um, are there any well, – what are the other major openings? Are there any that we're missing from that list? Um I know we're, we're, I don't think, we're kind of, think we're kind so. of waiting for the Miami domino to start. Yeah. Because that, that kind of moves Lane Kiffin, and then that opens up Ole Miss, which is going to open up something else. We have a whole other set of dominoes that are going to fall shortly. Um, and I think we're also going to find out how desirable that Cincinnati job is. Uh, I, th- I think Luke Fickle might take that Notre Dame job if, if offered. Um, and I'm really interested to see – who Cincinnati gets to replace Luke Fickle if that happens. I, I really, really am interested to see how competitive, uh, how committed to competition Cincinnati is, um, but also how desirable that job is from 
you know, a tier of coach that they can attract there. Now, you know, we're talking about something that's not open yet, but I, I, I do anticipate that opening up. I don't anticipate Luke Fickle being at Cincinnati next year. What do you think? Uh, I don't either. I think he's going to be able to make more money elsewhere. Um, yeah. I, I think it, it, the time has come, so to speak. Uh, yeah. And piggybacking off of that, I think a big reason Brian Kelly, who didn't he used to coach at Cincinnati, by the way? Yes. Or am I, am uh, I, am I just really, am I just in an alternate universe and making that up? But he used to be at no, Cincinnati. You, you were correct. And the funny thing is, um, uh, uh, up until he took the Tennessee job, Butch Jones had taken every job that Brian Kelly had left. So <laughs> Brian Kelly left Central Michigan, Butch Jones got that job. Brian Kelly left Cincinnati, Butch Jones got that job. Um, so it, it's it's been one of the running jokes on Ball Twitter that Butch Jones is going to be the next coach of Notre Dame. But yes, he uh, Brian Kelly uh, did coach Cincinnati. If anything, kind of put them into prominence. I believe Tommy Tuberville was their next coach, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so he, he brought it to a slight level of prominence. Um, and then of course, Luke Fickle, uh, has ties there, took the job and has done a great job in the rebuild, uh, for five years, but yeah, just kind of a small little inbreeding, uh, of coaching up there in the North. It seems sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, what I was going to say was before we got down that rabbit hole was I think for <laughs> Brian Kelly, this is about being able to compete for a national championship, not just 100%. be in the playoff or be in the championship game, I mean actually compete. Because Notre Dame, back in the 2012 season, went to the championship game and just got the shit kicked out of them by Alabama. They've gone to the playoff a couple of times, and they've just been cannon fodder for the real teams. So I think, you know, Brian Kelly had kind of reached his ceiling at Notre Dame. And I think if he wants a ring, which what coach doesn't, he this is this is what he needed to do. He needed to take that, that next step up, and this was the most prestigious program that – or at least the most, the program with what he thought was the best chance of getting him a national championship ring that became available. Yeah, and it, it, people give Brian are giving Brian Kelly a lot of flack for the way he left, and you know, to to to, to their their credit, I do agree. I don't think it was the most professional way to leave, but I think that's because he wasn't planning on leaving. I don't think Brian Kelly had any designs on leaving Notre Dame until Lincoln Raleigh went to USC and LSU had to panic hire. A big name and I think they hired panic hired a great name by the way but I don't think Brian Kelly was looking to leave and like you said the the only really the only difference between LSU and Notre Dame is that capability to win a national title you know an actual realistic capability to win a national title Brian Kelly has the easy road there but has he doesn't have the talent to compete with the teams that have to survive in the SEC every week. And while it is more difficult to make it to the title, you're not wasting your time when you do. Because Brian Kelly could make it to title after title after title at Notre Dame and still get his teeth kicked in by teams that have had to earn it through the SEC. They're tested. They have the the, the players that are, that are ready for that competition. And Brian Kelly, I mean, they try to play good teams. You know, they schedule USC every year. It's not their fault that they've been bad. Um, but that they have that weird, we're in the ACC, not in the ACC, five-game schedule that they play. And the ACC is just not uh, uh, a tough conference, you know, when you're talking about the national title picture. Yeah, um, and 
And the, the the teams they were scheduled to play in the ACC this year had disappointing years. You know, they didn't play Wake Forest. They didn't play Pittsburgh. Instead, they played Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia, all yeah. of whom had underwhelming seasons. Yeah, and and that they lost the one game that they played against. I thought the the best team on their schedule was Cincinnati, and that they, they lost that game. Um, but that they're still right there. You know, Brian Kelly le- left a team that is one slip up by the top four away from being literally in the playoff. And that is blows my mind that he just knows, even with that, he has no chance to win a national title and he has to go to LSU. It, it, it stops my brain from thinking when I'm trying to comprehend that. A playoff team doesn't have as good of a chance as the team that just had to fire Ed Orgeron in his mind. And he's seen it up close and personal for 12 years, and he knows it. He he knows everything that we see is is true. Notre Dame recruits great players. They develop good players. They put them in the NFL, but they don't have that talent to go beat Georgia, to beat Alabama, hell, to eat, to beat Michigan, Ohio State on a consistent basis. Um, at LSU, you're going to get that. If your team is able to make it through to a national title, or at least to the playoffs at LSU, Brian Kelly is a good enough coach that he's going to be able to compete there. He's not going to get beat 41-0 in a national title with LSU like he will at Notre Dame. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly what I was trying to trying to, to get at uh, when I posed that that query. Absolutely um, agree with but you. But now with, with, with that mind, turn this around and look at Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma's going to be in the SEC in a few years. So he is taking the route of, I don't want to have to go through that gauntlet. I'm going to go out to the Pac-12, try to revive USC, which is a program that is at a point where I never thought it would be, uh, you know, looking back on where they were when I, I was a kid and stuff. Uh, but he's kind of going the opposite route. He's like, I want to go to this new prestigious, pro- you know, this, this new, new to me prestigious program in a conference where I don't really have a ton of consistent competition outside of Oregon. Yeah. Um... Oh, it's it's hard to talk about Lincoln Riley because I just have no respect for the guy whatsoever, especially after this. I didn't have any respect for him really beforehand. I really don't have any respect for him now. Um, from a business standpoint, it makes sense. But I saw him on Cowherd today, you know, like, like at noon. He's he's already on Cowherd. Um, he's, he's, he just got there last night. I don't understand how he already has a, a spot with Colin Cowherd lined up or why that's even a freaking priority, but I, that's just kind of the guy he is. Um, it, it's, there's, a, there's a five-letter word in my head that, uh, that applies to him. Um, I, I'm, I'm not even, even going to go there, but he, he's, he, he's running away. He's running away from the challenge. But he went on Coward today and said that he was actually asked and somewhat involved when Oklahoma decided to go to the SEC and that he, quote-unquote, did not have a problem with it and liked the challenge. And to, to me, that, that, that just has to be a blatant lie, right? Why, why would you take a job with worse players and a program that's in a worse position if you're not scared of playing in the SEC with the program that you've helped build for the last, what, six, seven years since he was an offensive coordinator for Bob Stoops. 
Um, I, I just don't understand it any other way other than he is just running away from the competition. And I mean, it's it, it's going to be good, better for him if he can go have moderate to relatively high level success at USC. He's going to be there for for a while. Um, I just I I, I don't under, I don't understand it. I also don't understand this fictitious allure around the USC program. They've been absolute dog water for the better part of the last 15 years. And nobody goes to those games. Nobody in California gives two flying fucks about football. The Chargers couldn't sell out games. The Rams can't sell out games. Clippers don't sell out games. USC doesn't sell out games. UCLA doesn't sell out games. Nobody gives two fucks about football there. Or sports, really, almost in general, if you're not the Dodgers. Um, I, I just don't... I really don't understand why everyone thinks USC is such a good opportunity and such a good program. Because, to, to me... They're an absolute shit to your program. Um, I, I don't have any respect for them. They play in a horrible conference. They really haven't even won anything in that conference in the last 25 years, and they've been in the only game in town in that conference outside of Oregon and you know, a, an uptick year here there for Stanford. So I'm off my soapbox on that, but Lincoln Riley has me steaming, man. If I was doing a hot box today, it would be about this pussy. Sorry, that's my five-letter word. <laughs> I, I just... I absolutely hate this. I hated this guy already, and th- there is just th- there there isn't a redeemable part of him after this to me. Well, I I'll tell you as somebody who works in college sports, the only reason USC has that job that is looked at as as so prestigious is because of the what they can afford to pay. That's basically it, oh, and that's sure. why he took the job. I mean, that's 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 what it comes down to at this point. Um, and and the media market size that that's all there is to it. They're never going to be back to where they were. Um, where when Pete Carroll was their coach, uh, I don't know if Lincoln Riley was thinking of that when he took the job. <clears throat> but yeah, it's just interesting. I brought that up because I wanted to see talk, hear about the, the the dichotomy between what Brian Kelly is doing, you know, upping upping his challenge because he knows he needs it in order to compete for a national championship, and Lincoln Riley kind of just going in the complete opposite direction. Um, but that 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 kind of begs the question. That's another really now it's that's two. Big time jobs. We went from two big time jobs open to having two big time jobs open with Oklahoma and Notre Dame now looking for new coaches. Yeah, and um, man, that that's tough because to replace those coaches. I mean, you see what Brian Kelly's getting paid. He's getting paid what nine and a half million dollars a year, ten year deal at LSU plus incentives. You got Lincoln Riley. Uh, I don't. I didn't see how long his deal is, but it's one hundred and ten million. USC is buying both of his houses in Norman for half a million over asking, which is another million-dollar bonus. Plus, they're buying him a $6 million home in L.A. Uh, He gets unlimited use of a private jet 24-7 for his family. Like, all of that in a compensation package. Now you're telling Notre Dame, you're telling Oklahoma, guess what? You have to pull that out of your ass now to replace the guy who just left. And that that's really tough, especially right here. I mean, what we're talking... Early signing day is in three weeks, and that they have they have to pull all this out of their ass to 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 try to rebuild and and, and keep the continuity of their program. These are top fifteen programs, you know. Oklahoma, we were just talking last week. If they win in Bedlam, they're on the outside looking in for a playoff spot. And 
you know, we're sitting here where, you know, if, if Oklahoma wins last week, it, it what, what came out is that Lincoln Riley was going to take that job no matter what. Bob Stoops was going to be coaching the next game no matter what. That We're talking about two potential playoff teams whose head coaches are leaving. And that that is, it blows my mind. It's unprecedented. It doesn't make any sense. It ties into the question I want to ask before we leave the segment. Um, but uh, I... I don't know where you get the money. I mean, I, I get. I guess these schools probably have it from TV deals, and you know, I'm sure. I'm sure neither neither team is gonna lowball, and they're gonna go try to find someone big. But that that it is just such a bad position they have left their schools in, and it's Brian Kelly's. I can understand a little bit more because his was on a whim. Lincoln Lincoln Riley had time to think about this. Lincoln Riley, this has been going for a little while, for sure. He knew what he was doing and didn't tell anybody. Um, of course, people weren't asking the right questions. He said he's not going to LSU. Um, he wasn't wrong. I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't like it. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But um, yeah, the money, couple, the money comes from Bill. The money does come from TV. Um, a lot of it comes from donors too. I mean. It, don't you know? You never know who's back there pulling the strings, uh, writing the checks. Um, you know, NC State's got Lonnie Poole, you know, the guy that the, the golf course was named after. That's yeah. who they. Uh, that's who they. You know, they they play hey Mister with Lonnie Poole anytime they need to to buy out a coach. Um, you know, just Lonnie writes a check. Uh, that's that's how things work. You know, in Oklahoma State, it's Boone Pickens, who their stadium's named after. Anytime that you know, if Mike if they, Mike Gundy ever gets caught, you know, beating his players or something. They'll just be like, "Hey, Mr. Pickens, write it, write a check for the buyout." That's and then and then there you go. Uh, so that that kind of I hope that, that that sheds a little bit of light on uh, on that that part of your question. Uh, in addition to the TV deals, um, for sure. Um, but yeah, that is a really that's an insane precedent they're setting, though. And just the way both of those things moved in the matter of forty eight hours, um, I is again unprecedented. And I don't know if it's social media that expedite stuff like this i don't know if you know I, I really don't know what's taken i don't know if it's been the introduction of the transfer portal that's made these coaches feel more comfortable doing that since they'll be a lot more reliably able to bring their players with them to the new uh destination without having players sit out a year or going through ncaa clearances this that and the other like it's so much easier to just pick up change your shirt start recruiting for a new place and say don't worry, you're committing to me. You're not committing to the school. That, that, that seems to be a, what a lot of coaches are selling these days as well with as fast as they move around. They want players to commit to them and their coaches and their culture instead of the, the, the school, the conference, that type of thing. Um, so maybe it's just what, what we're finally to the point where all of the little checks and balances that have been put in place to kind of slow things down just got ripped out and now everything can just slide and glide left, right, and center with players, with coaches. Um, it, it, it's fun, but it's also not fun because you know at any point, you know, no, no matter how happy you think your coach is, there's money out there that will take them away if, yep. if they're good enough. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you, know, you almost wonder if, if like any coach, you know, Dave, what if Dave Doran was just like, I'm going to up and go somewhere else, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden NC State is, is, is it right in the mix for this. Um, and so it really any, you know, like I was talking about with Connor when Virginia hired Bronco Mendenhall, that was a name that nobody had, you know, and BYU yeah. is a relatively prestigious program on the gridiron. 
And that, that, you know, that, that added a wrinkle, you know, it added another spoke to the coaching, the coaching wheel that, that, uh, of that, that season that nobody thought would, would, would have to be talked about. So that, that, that's part of the fun for me too. And like, it's like, Oh, this job is open that nobody had any clue would be open. Like in this case, Oklahoma, um, you know, or in this case, Notre Dame. Uh, so, so that, uh, that, 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 that's half the fun for me uh, in the coaching carousel. I've still got a couple of uh, names that I'm looking to to see where they land. Uh, top of the list is Jamie Chadwell. This is the second year where I thought he's one of the hot uh, up-and-comer, you know, Billy Napier-type names out there. Uh, really thought Virginia Tech was going to go with him. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about Brent Pry, but I'm familiar with the last two defensive coordinators for Penn State as they both wound up coaching at Tennessee, and currently Tim Banks is the defensive coordinator at Tennessee. Um, just, I don't know, just seems like like a drywall hire. Like, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they just need someone who, you know, we're not expecting a whole lot from you up front, but you're going to be a great program builder, got great culture, values, yada, yada. Maybe that's what they're looking for. Um, comes from a big program. Defense did great this year, although it seems like, Penn State's always pretty much got a good defense while James Franklin's been there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think they could have done better, but I, I think they got a solid hire. But it, it, it's just one of those hires that makes me think, okay, Virginia Tech's going to be back here in four years, if that makes sense. Yeah, no doubt. It's a kind of, a bit of, kind of like a, a, not really a project, but like not, not somebody who's going to lead them to a champion in the first year. Some you you expect there will be a lot of attrition. You expect there will be transfers, uh, guys leaving, guys coming in, guys taking time to to get in the right positions in the system. I um, mean, part of me, I just wonder: is he going to buy a house or will he rent an apartment when he gets to Blacksburg? No, no, you, you probably had to pry that information from him. Um, I don't think we're going to know that right out of the right out of the gate. Um, one thing I do want to mention, though, I. I was a hire of the Fuente hire when Virginia Tech made it. I honestly think they may have let him go just a little early. And it, it's really, really hard to build a program that doesn't have a already set level of prestige. And the prestige for Virginia Tech has worn off since Frank Beamer's been there. Um, you, you, you look at... You look at both Georgia and Michigan, and I, I have the same problem with Florida. I think Florida fired Dan Mullen too early. It takes longer than three or four years to really build a program. I mean, you look at how long Kirby Smart has been there. There, there was a there was a moment in time where Georgia, I thought, was about to move on from Kirby Smart, and that's when they put Justin Fields in for that fourth and eleven fake punt against Alabama in the SEC championship game a couple of years ago, and all of that kind of unraveled and wound up with him traveling, uh, transferring to Ohio State. Um, they had a lot of players transfer out. It seemed like almost the entire offense transferred out. Uh, Sam Pittman took the Arkansas job. Uh, Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator, came to Tennessee. Like, everything was falling apart, and it seemed like they were going to let Kirby go. But they stuck with their guy, and look where they are now because of that. And I'm going to say the same thing with Michigan. Two years ago, we were talking about how dumb that – I mean, really two years ago and every time before that, we were talking about how dumb that lifetime contract seemed for John Harbaugh. And look at where he is now. He has a legitimate program. They won their first game 
against Ohio State in eight years. Uh, they stormed the field. Awesome scene there um, in, in Ann Arbor. Uh, but it's because they stayed dedicated to that coach and let him continue the fight that he was fighting. In our social media world, we want things now. And if we don't have things now, we assume that they'll never be there. And that's just not the case. These things take time to build real solidarity, real solid programs from the ground up with a real culture, with your real players that you want running your real scheme. And Georgia and Michigan are reaping the benefits of not not being cancel culture and listening to the uh, shock mob on Twitter and sticking to their guns, keeping their guys, and they're one, they're one, two for a reason right now. They stuck with their guys. They had good guys. And I think Florida, I think Virginia Tech moved on from that too soon. I don't think it had enough time to catch, especially with the way the transfer portal works. If you have guys who are not good in your locker room, it is so fucking easy to get rid of them and replace them that it makes no sense to think, okay, we have locker room cancers. This thing's done. No, you can get rid of them immediately and get new guys in there so fast. You can, you can undo locker room cancer in, in, in a snap these days. So just my two cents on, on both of those openings. I think they kind of go hand in hand. I think they let their guys go too fast. Virginia fans, are, are you listening? Do not fire Bronco Mendenhall. That's, yes, that's, the, that's what I'm getting. Do not I, I was, fucking fire Bronco Mendenhall. I was going in, in, to interject <laughs> there, but, but you, you, you guys are the experts there. But I was looking at the schedule. Yeah, the four-game losing streak on the back end hurts, but three to, to top 20 teams, and then you lose a rivalry game. Yeah, it hurts not to beat Virginia Tech often. I, I I know how that feels. Believe me, I'm a Tennessee fan. We beat Florida once in the last 16 years. We haven't beat Bama in the last 15 years. It, it really sucks. But there, there are bigger things at work, and you're not going to beat Bama. You're not going to beat Florida. You're not going to start grabbing hold of your rivalry matchups if you keep hiring and firing every three or four years. I don't care if things are going poorly. If you stick with something, the recruiting will come. These guys build relationships. And every time you uproot your college, your your coach, what you're telling these high schools in your area is that my administration, my athletic department is unstable. Do not send your kids here because they'll wind up unhappy, transfer out, and that their lives will be disheveled. That, that's the signal you're sending to your local colleges when you hire and fire every three or four years. That's why Florida's not recruiting well. That's why Florida State's not recruiting well. That's why Miami's not recruiting well. And that's why all those kids are going out of state these days because they don't have stability in any of their in-state schools. And th these athletic departments are not realizing that, that there's more to it than just a win or a loss or what's going on on social media. You need to use your own eyes and not be peer pressured by your boosters just because they give you a lot of money. Stand your ground. Do your job. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I I definitely agree there. Like, I, and, and you know, you'd almost wonder if uh, uh, the reason some of these programs fall, like you know, like USC fall into like lulls like this, is because they got rid of their coach too early. And you almost wonder if we're going to see Florida down for a couple of years. Uh, because of that, or if we're going to see, um, you know, see, uh, God, who was, who did you just say fired their coach early besides Florida, Virginia tech? Yeah. So you almost wonder if that's what we're going to see for a couple of years before they resurface. So I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, imagine, imagine how much 
USC wishes, they would have just kept Lane Kiffin. Like, just stick it through, let him get his shit done, you know, let him build his program. You, you, especially those big places, you, you can't build your program in three or four years. You know, if you're in the SEC, it, it's, it's, it's un, unrealistic. It is almost impossible to expect a, a, a three-year head coach to come in and be able to knock off A&M, LSU, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, you know, what Mark Stoops is building at Kentucky. Think about all you have to go through. Vanderbilt. You know, what, what, Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah but no, Vanderbilt. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not as scared of Vanderbilt now that Sarah Fuller's not there anymore. But even, <laughs> you know, when she when she was there, they were a powerhouse. Um, I, but, but yeah, you, you get my point. It's just stop, stop tearing down the house before it's even built. Let's yeah. see what it looks like. Give it a chance to be a house. And if the house sucks after it's a house for a year or two, knock it down. But let it be a house. Let's see what this house looks like. Let's live in it for a couple of years. Okay. It might suck. Maybe the commute's not great. You know, HVAC is, is wonky, whatever. Stick with it. Good things come to those who wait. <laughs> Speaking from ex personal experience there with the HVAC in your home. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that story. Uh, oh, one, of us is a home, one of us is a homeowner and it is not me here on the right hash. As we, uh, boy, we've had a mammoth show already and we've got more. We think Connor Lilly joining us on the Speedy Customs Hotline at the beginning of the show. We just had the best coaching carousel talk. It's gotten better every week and we debuted the grinder, which of all people, Connor was our uh, our first grinder uh, submission last week, uh, talking about uh, sports fights. And Alex, this actually this 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 week, our second grinder segment, as we messed before with we, Kurt, and you know what happens, yeah. Before we move on, I had this one thing I wanted to mention before coaching carousel ended. Um, go and, go and on. It, it, it's it's a discussion question. I want your input on because I I don't know the answer, but. There, there has to be some way that the NCAA or these conferences can implement rules against tampering with coaches, right? Because what, what has happened in the last 48 hours is unacceptable on a repeatable basis to just let these coaches jump back and forth between openings and let, let other universities call in and honestly tamper with coaches who are under contract at, at state universities um and, and you know ha have, having USC get Lincoln Riley out from under Oklahoma's nose that fast same thing with LSU and Brian Kelly like th there has to be a better way to police this make it more like that put protocols in place put procedures in place put times of year for this to happen in place rather than it just being the wild wild west where we have <laughs> kids transferring in the middle of the year and coaches leaving playoff teams two games before they're in the playoff. Yeah. And the NCAA just makes shit up as they go along. Why can't they, why can't they just be like, Hey, this is the rule now. Yeah. They, they, they do that all the time when it comes to players and selective enforcement of, of violations and stuff. It's like, Oh, this guy took a $50 check from a booster, spend them for the year. But yeah, Coaches can still do that. And, and that's, you know, that's a big reason why we're at, we are where we are with NIL and why there's still work that needs to be done. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you kind of, you have a early signing period, signing period. Why not a coach, you know, a coach negotiation period? I mean, and in the NFL, you're not allowed to talk with coaches that are under contract until their season is done. 
I think it should be the same way in college athletics. You know, these these colleges have to wait for NFL teams to finish before they can start talking with their assistants, right? Why should they be allowed to go talk to state? You know, I mean, and this is just in some cases they're state employees, but state employees who are under contract with the state and be able to bring, bring them out of contracts like that willy-nilly with basically no punishment other than you owe us X amount of money here as designated by the contract. Um, that, that There has to be a better way to protect, honestly, just to protect the product on the field. There, there needs to be a better way to do this coaching carousel stuff a little bit more policed. I, I don't, I, I'm never for the NCAA interjecting um, into situations most of the time, but I think that this needs to be cleaned up some. And the, the transfer portal too. The transfer portal needs a window. They, kids should not be able to enter the transfer portal during your team's regular season. If you still have games left, regular season games left, you should not be able to enter the transfer portal. Yeah, I'm, I'm not into free agency in college sports either. Um, I, I would agree on that. Um, but it's, it, it is changing. Things are changing. They'll continue to change. The way things are right now, it's probably not the way things are going to look in five to ten years. Um, yeah. For better or for worse. Uh, I don't Absolutely. know what direction it's going to go. Uh, but I think we're definitely at a point in college sports where um, things are in flux. And I, this change in the transfer portal is um, just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but you see yeah. it in the NBA. You see it in the NBA a lot too. You know, with 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 free agency and stuff. With you know LeBron trying to form super teams or whatever, and players influencing where guys are going to go. And you almost wonder if that's going to start happening among players in, in college too. Not to get too deep into that before we we get into the grinder, but that, that's another thing to think about too, right? Yeah, I mean, and you know, in the professional ranks, uh, I'm kind of okay with it being Wild Wild West because that's. You know, it's legitimately professionals. It, it it is an open sandbox. Those are supposed to be all adults at the top of their field, and they should be able to make their own decisions and you know operate for the most part how they want. But in college, the, these are kids, um, you, and you only have four years. I mean, six years up here for the super seniors due to COVID stuff. But you know, even six years, you you don't get to redo this. You know, and these coaches being able to hop around. They ruin a year or two of some of these kids' eligibility just being caught in the miss, in, in, you know, in the crossfire of ch changing teams, and it, it's just not fair to the kids. Even though the kids have a much easier way to move around as well, you know, if I if I'm a if I'm a recruit, and especially a top recruit that's looking at Notre Dame, looking at LSU, Oklahoma, these places, you know, I, I'm a gifted athlete if I'm being in, considered for their programs. I have options. I could have gone somewhere that had st that, that had what I thought the stability you have. And it, it's it's very underhanded, in my opinion, that these coaches can do all of this with no recompense. And the, the, kid, the kids get to do it once. But they're the, they're the ones who are really hung out to dry here by these coaching changes. And I listened to the podcast from the Notre Dame kids this morning. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it but a couple of the Notre Dame kids have a, a podcast. And I want to give all the kids on that podcast a, a, uh, a big round of applause because the way that they've handled it, they didn't sound dejected. They weren't angry. They were incredibly mature in how they discussed it. Um, so just a, a, bit, a big round of applause to those kids who were on that podcast because I was, I was are you, shocked. Are you, are you talking players? Were they players? Yes, they were. Oh, current. okay. 
current Notre Dame players that got out of that meeting this morning with Brian Kelly and hopped on their an emergency podcast to discuss it. And, you know, they just had the most, uh, you know, professional, mature response to it. Um, so I, I wasn't expecting that with today's kids. And maybe I sound old, but um, <laughs> th- 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 there's just a lot of social media, a lot of whining, a lot of me, 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 a lot of victim uh, cards get played. And there was none of that there. These kids are very mature, very adult. They understood it was a business, even though it sucks and that shouldn't be part of the business. They understood it. Um, and they're like, we're ready to go with whoever comes in here next. So just wanted to real quick, give those guys a shout out. Great job. Um, those guys are going to be successful in life, no matter what. Um, anyway, that that's, that's what I had for the end of the coaching carousel. Just wanted to, to discuss that little bit of it. Um, and please feel free to, to direct the show as you would like continuing. I'll, I'll finish with this. If there's a better way, don't count on the NCAA to come up with it. That's 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 that, true. That's right. that's what I'll wise that's words. what I'll I'll end this segment with those those wise, words. Wise <laughs> words, my friend. As we go um, into into our new favorite segment now, and this will be NFL related. Um, but like like I said, mammoth show already, and and we're 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 coming we're coming toward the end. We got a couple more segments, and we've already had a already had a couple couple monster segments, but we're in the grinder again. We messed with Kurt, and you know what happens when you mess with Kurt. You go in the grinder. You go in the grinder. And our question this week, or our, our, our uh, I guess our prompt comes from from your friend Brad. And uh, what does Brad bring to us today? Yeah, so Brad is also in our fantasy league. Um, he is first place in our fantasy league right now. He has a great team. So shout out to Brad. You deserve the uh, the shout out there. His his question, the thing he wanted to, us to talk about. Brad is sorry, time, sorry, time out, time out. What is his team in the in our league? Because I, I don't really, I, it's, I'm having, I still... Don't know who's who sometimes. Uh, Symphony. Symph- okay, yeah, he's in first place. That's right. Yes, he he he's he beat in the insane place. beat the insane clowny posse this week. Yeah, who hasn't? Um, <laughs> uh, but his his question and understand he's coming from a perspective of a a big big Carolina Panthers fan, but he wanted us to talk about what we thought were the most influential injuries on the NFL season this year. Very very interesting question. It's something that. You know, I, I feel like we often think about but never verbalize. Like, we almost just say, oh, yeah, of course, that's that affects this. But we oh. never verbalize it and discuss why these injuries matter. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give my two. Uh, the first one I have is actually from Brad's Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think this more or less speaks for itself. Just everyone knows who CMC is, what, what he does when he's healthy. Um, but with him this year, before he got injured again, you know, he had last year, he – ended the entire season injured um, and he he came back hundred percent at the beginning of the year, supposedly. Uh, And they were a borderline top five team through the first three weeks. I had them in my top five, I believe on our very first NFL rankings um, as the right hash. Um, And since his injury, just everything has fallen apart there. I don't think this is a coincidence. Uh, I just think this is a byproduct of how much of a load is on his back and that kind of leads to getting injury overworking a player like that especially at a running back position it it you're gonna get hurt you, you do nothing but come into contact with other players at, at high speed and you're coming he's getting tackled by defensive linemen and linebackers routinely not just defensive backs um 
I'm glad that they finally shut him down. I think he could have played this week and the rest of the season, but they saw how fucking bad Cam Newton is at football, and they're like, not a single chance we're risking Christian McCaffrey with this idiot over here throwing the football, if you can even call it that. Five completions in an NFL game, and you completed two to the other team? Anyway, um, so there's not a single reason to risk him or continue to try to win and lower your draft position. Uh, so I, I think it's influenced the Panthers a lot because I, I had them coming in second in their division based on their first three weeks. Um, I, I, I don't think that that's anywhere close to, to happening now. I don't think they're out of the playoff race. You know, if Washington's there, surely the Panthers are probably still there in, in reality. Um, but they, they need a real running back too. They need a real secondary running back not Chuba Hubbard not Amir Abdullah they need a Mike Davis for Christian McCaffrey to take some of the reps you know thank the Mark Ingram to Alvin Kamara um or shit even just go get a receiver that can take a little bit off of him in the passing game but he's gonna keep getting hurt if he has to carry all the load and the Panthers will never achieve what they want to if they can't take some of that load off him and make him a more efficient running back that injury has completely changed the season for the Panthers. My second one, this will be shorter. Um, it's a homer pick. Travis Etienne got hurt in training camp. Um, this was this was a, an impact draft pick for us. It wasn't a position of need, but that there was there was more to it than just picking a running back, just picking a position. Part of this was to help Trevor Lawrence, our number one overall pick. Ease into Jacksonville, ease into the NFL, ease into this offense with someone that he's played for three or four years with, very comfortable with. Um, and losing him, I, I, I don't think there's been too much that I can blame Trevor Lawrence on or for this year. Just, everything is just super, super terrible. Hopefully, Urban Meyer takes that Notre Dame job. He's not going to, <laughs> but we, we can all wish. Surprised we, I'm surprised we didn't bring that up during the coaching carousel segment. <laughs> Well, he, he, he came out and said he doesn't want to coach in college. They asked him Yeah, that that's what they all said. Uh, well, I, I, I kind of believe him. Uh, I, I feel like if anyone was ready to fake a heart attack and go back to uh, Notre Dame, he's talked about it before. I feel like he would have done it already. Um, but, like I said, th th this pick was more than just a guy on offense. It was going to give us flexibility for sure. This guy could play running back. He could play wide receiver, just kind of. That, that gadget player that we talked about at the top of the show. Um, take that out of the offense to start with, but just the, 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 the creature comfort of having mm -hmm. a guy that you played in college with, I think that's had a gigantic impact on the progression of this offense, the progression of Trevor Lawrence for this rookie year. Hopefully ETN comes back next year and we just kind of pick up where we would have left off with him. Um, you know, they're, they're close. He, he's running drills and things like that. So he's, he could have come back if we made the playoffs this year. Uh, that's not going to happen, but it, it, it derailed the season before it even started. So that's why I put this one here, Luke, what do you have for the most influential injuries on this NFL season? Uh, well, I just wanted to chime in and say that the Carolina Panthers are a complete joke right now. Um, yes. It's 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 embarrassing the way this team's been playing football, and I I'm not even a fan of the team, but I get for I get their games shoved on my television every week yep. because of where we live, um, and yep. it's just it's it's embarrassing watching David Tepper try to run an NFL franchise. It's a fucking joke. This guy has no clue what he's doing in the sports world, 
you know, you think you think that your your the way to improve this offense was to bring in fucking Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson and and, and hire a goddamn college coach and, and 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 then when that doesn't work, you bring a guy who has no clue how to run Matt Rule's offense, and you only brought him in because he would make the fans clap for 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 a little while while they're in the stadium. Anyway, that's over. Um, I just I had to get that in while we were still kind of on that subject with with you bringing up Christian McCaffrey because he's about the only good thing about that franchise right now and he's hurt. So my I also, my, I also like Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. Uh, but I, I we we talked about uh, Derrick Henry off air. That's obviously our that was kind of the one the biggest one that everyone's beaten to death right now. So we're not going to continue beating that one to death. But that that to this point. Probably the uh, most most impactful injury because Tennessee has looked bad since he uh, he got hurt. We're not bad, but you know they've they've lost some games that they shouldn't. Uh, my first one is um, also has to do with the draft Zach Wilson uh, for the, the the Jets, and that's just because when you draft a guy that high and you expect him to come in and be your uh, your guy, you know that any any kind of setback, whether it's injury, whether it's him playing poorly, um, anything that affects it and it affects it negatively and it's just kind of bad luck for the jets that they've brought in a new guy and you know the guy that they were really high on and now he's having injury problems and that hampers his development and next year will kind of almost be like a, a second rookie year for zach wilson because his development ha- has been so hampered uh this year uh that was my short one i'll get a little more wordy here uh with with this one here and it because it involved my washington football team and that's curtis samuel and it was just revealed last week that Curtis Samuel had surgery way back at the beginning of the season on, on a core muscle when most of the talk has been about his groin, which he played uh, in week four against Atlanta after sitting out the first three games, re-injured his groin, sat out until last night where he played, had a couple of short catches, um, got the crowd involved after his first catch. It was good to see Curtis Samuel uh, pumping up the crowd. He took a big hit on his first catch, popped right back up, uh, got the crowd involved a little bit. Uh, but he was probably the prize signing of the offseason uh, for the Washington football team. Guy who knew Ron Rivera's system, uh, guy who uh, guy who could be relied on to run the ball, kind of like Debo Samuel, uh, out of the backfield and out of the slot. Uh, but he has gotten very few reps in that offense this year. And as a result, Washington's offense has been kind of real similar to what it was last year and really easy to stop. People can zero in on Terry McLaurin. They can stack, stack the box and take away Antonio Gibson and Janie McKissick. Um, and, and Samuel on the field would really open things up for Terry McLaurin and company, even if Samuel doesn't catch a lot of passes. And you saw that a little bit in, when he was in Carolina. He made guys like DJ Moore better. You know, he made guys like, you know, like uh, Greg Olson better just with his presence on the field and being a guy you have to account for and just not having that guy on the field really, really affects what Ron Rivera's offense can do and Scott Turner's offense can do. And just having him on the field as someone that the defense has to account for, uh, even if he's not at 100%, which he's still not, let's be honest, uh, but just having him in uniform, the psychology boost, you know, he was a college teammate of Terry McLaurin's. Uh, he, you know, former player of Ron Rivera's and the current player of Ron and it, it just having him there was is a big, big intangible boost. Big time agree, and I think that's a that's a that's a really unheralded injury that's gone overlooked in the landscape of football. Um, you you look at the the offseason free agency. Um, I remember my Jags were were big time in on him in free agency because of Urban Meyer. 
Um, I really wanted him. It, it, anybody who's maybe a little bit more casual to the Panthers or Curtis Samuel in general, go look at who the Panthers were using the most at the end of last season in the backfield and uh, in, in short yardage. I mean, the, Curtis Samuel was the first wide receiver I can remember getting steady handoffs in the entire NFL. Um, and it, it, it's because he's really good. So, yeah, I, I agree that that's that it's just it's just taken a dimension away that the that Washington football team expected to have and you know that thankfully the rest of the NFC's been kind of lackluster because you still have a chance to make it a, a, a legitimate playoff run um add add Curtis Samuel you know I think he had a reception last night I don't know if he had any rushes but um he at least looked healthy uh as they start to ramp him back up I, I'm here to eat a little bit of crow on Heineke. You know, I still need to see a little bit more of the upper end from him for me to believe that he's going to be, you know, uh, an everyday NFL quarterback that you say, okay, we don't need to worry about this position. We can look elsewhere. I still think you could upgrade over him, but he's good enough to the point where I think you can address other things on the team before you need to worry about the quarterback. So credit to him. He's done a great job this year. Yeah, I think that's definitely an accurate assessment. I, I still fully expect Washington to draft a quarterback uh, this sure. offseason. But, uh, you know, Heineke is, is definitely has them in a position where nobody thought they would be uh, this Who year. Who else is in the room? Who else is in the Kyle, TV room? Kyle Allen. That's it. And, and, and I don't know if you know this, but Logan Thomas was a college quarterback yeah. at Virginia Tech. I know nobody Absolutely. has ever said that before. Um, so ne- you, may, you, may, you may be hearing that for the first time. So he, he's also there. Yeah, I, I I've never once heard them say that seventeen times in a broadcast. <laughs> never once. I missed, I missed the Manning. I missed the Mannings last night. I did miss the Manning cast last night. Uh, they didn't do it. Uh, or, no, or are no, you no, saying no. that's the thing? I missed. I missed it. They didn't have it. I missed. I missed being able oh, to watch it. Yeah. Okay, I didn't I, know if you yeah. were like I I I didn't know if you were saying you watched the regular broadcast. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you meant. I'm just saying I <laughs> I missed its presence. Dude, I, I did too. I, I watched that game on mute for the most part. Like, it wasn't an exciting game. And that that's coming from me who has Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson in the same league. I still watch that on mute. That, but the, the Seahawks are a story for a different day. Yeah, definitely. Boy, a really, really rough year uh, in Seattle. But now we get to our uh, – th- by the way, thank you, Brad, for uh, for putting us yes. in the grinder. Uh, we, we, we're very proud of this segment. We really enjoy fan engagement. Uh, listener engagement suggestions on what to talk about. That was a, that was a good. We like outside the box stuff. So we're we're good two for two uh, on in honor segments. In honor of the Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios, I'm going to give a big thank you to Tweak. <laughs> that's what that's what Nasser used to call. <laughs> Thanks Tweak. a lot, Tweak, and good good luck in the fantasy playoffs. You're going to be there. Alex and I are probably not. So <laughs> I, I there is no probably with me, sir. I will not be there. I will be serving uh, refreshments. Uh, court, you'll be uh, you'll be the help. You'll be the help. Yeah, yeah I, I got sideline passes to the playoffs for you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be an interesting playoff in our in our fantasy league. But uh, yeah, thanks thanks Tweak for the, uh, for the for the great grinder question. And the next grinder, uh, well, that's that's kind of up to you guys. We've also got we've got one in reserve from Armand Kucheki. We're not sure if we're going to save that one for when he joins the show. That's going to be coming soon. Stay tuned. But. Hit us up at the right hash on Twitter. Just the name of our show is our handle. Uh, talk about or tell us what you want us to talk about. Uh, we we love the input. We love hearing from our listeners. Um, so there is the grinder uh, two for two. Um, and before we get to uh, our our slim sweets indies of the week, 
we, we, we want to say that we got some good feedback on our rapid fire uh, picks segment last week, our picks format. So we're going to be doing that again next week. Instead of picking a few games and going into great detail, we're going to pick more games, kind of college game day, uh, rapid fire style. I, I like this format too, personally. I like to pick more too. games. We, I do too. And we've got, we've got all the conference championships. We've got some really good NFL games. Um, and well, without further ado, we are uh, this, this, we, we do not have a hot box today. Uh, Alex kind of got his on in the middle, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah. this will be our, will be our final segment because you got to go watch the Vols, but uh, we got, we, we, we can't do a show without picks, especially in conference championship weekend. Uh, Absolutely but, not. Um, we are going to start, let's go ahead and start with, with the NFL though. Uh, so we can, we can lead up to the flourish with the SEC championship game and uh, San Diego versus, or excuse me, San Diego, Los Angeles chargers uh, versus Cincinnati. This is, this is a really good matchup, a really good quarterback matchup. Yeah, it's hard not to call him San Diego still. You know, Phillip Rivers will always be a San Diego Charger to me. Um, th- this is this is an extremely tough game to pick because it depends on which version of which team shows up. Um, both teams showed up last week. The Bengals absolutely throttled the Steelers. Uh, Chargers had a great game as well. Uh, Mike Williams kind of knocked the rust off. He looked good. Um, and this game, I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to go with the Bengals just for shits and giggles so we can be opposite i really like joe I, I like joe burrow i like what the Bengals are doing they just beat the tar out of the steelers last week um i like this young quarterback I, I like, match like them yeah i like i like them to keep it going pop popcorn popping uh for this game i, I like i like it um, yeah bills and another another popcorn game bills and patriots monday night football in buffalo right uh yes i believe, I believe so buffalo, yeah yeah um, and it's it's cold. I mean, it's it's going to be cold for both of these teams the rest of the way for home games. But I mean, Buffalo is cold, cold this time of year. Um, I really like the way the Patriots are playing. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback this year. I don't think that there's really too much point of a contention. Um, I think Bill Belichick is proving that he was just not he was not just Tom Brady's sidekick in New England. He is he is earning his Coach of the Year trophy right now. I think he deserves it if they make the playoffs and do well. Um, I got the Patriots. I'm the Bills here. I'm going to go with the home team. I, I think Josh Allen bounces back in a big way, um, and I think I think the uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the coach named Bill. <laughs> a lot, a lot of a lot of Bills going on here. A lot of Bills. A lot of Bills. It's it's like it's like being a grown up. Just the Bills never stop. The Bills are piling up. <laughs> <laughs> so there's our NFL picks, as as usual, our, our two NFL picks. But really, we wanted to wanted to focus these indies of the week on college football because we've got championships, conference championships. Uh, great weekend. Uh, Going to be a lot of games to watch. Uh, the big game, of course, the SEC championship, Georgia and Alabama. We'll pick that last. Um, we'll start. I guess we'll start with the American Athletic Conference championship, uh, Cincinnati and Houston. Uh, I, I like the Bearcats here. I think Houston's going to give them a game, uh, but I think Cincinnati's just done too much. They finally worked their way into the top four, and uh, I think they've they 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 didn't come this far just to lose in their conference championship game. They're going to get it done. I agree. If the coaching carousel stuff wasn't swirling around Luke Fickle right now, uh, this would not even be a question for me. I'd pick Cincinnati. So my pick is going to be something that is I, I'm I'm going to put an asterisk on it, and I'm going to say it depends. If Luke Fickle is still the coach, give me Cincinnati. If Luke Fickle is not the coach, give me Houston. 
Well, still, yeah, still a few days to figure that out. With with everything that's happened, that news could that news could have dropped during this recording, and we we might not have seen it. That that's like six <laughs> years worth of time right now. It feels like until that game is played, with the way the coaching carousel is going right now. Yeah, so both on Cincinnati there, uh, assuming Luke Fickle's still the head coach. Uh, you really think it, it winning in for Cincinnati for the college football playoff? I mean, yep, yeah, yeah it's got to be, yeah, got to be easy. Speaking of winning in, speaking of winning in, Michigan and Iowa got to figure if the Wolverines win. They're they're in the playoff as well with that win over Ohio State. I've only got one word written here, and it's Michigan. (laughs) Michigan. Yep that that's yeah that's the long and short of it too. That 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 team's on a roll. Uh, That that offense is humming. Uh, They've put that that setback to Michigan State well behind them. They've got a chance to to make the playoff and. Jim Harbaugh is good at motivating uh, players as anybody is. Uh, Michigan's going to win this one. I think they're going to win this one big. Yeah, and I, I'm not a Harbaugh fan, but I'm kind of pulling for them because of the process and them sticking through their commitment to to each other, really. So um, just in, in this day and age, coaching carousel, as we've talked, it's nice to see a school stick to their guy, a guy stick to the, his school, and really reap the benefits at the, at the end of it. I, I hope that they are the team along with Georgia that sets this precedent of teams and coaches staying at places for longer periods of time like they used to. I want to get that back. Yeah, I I, I look forward to seeing Michigan in the college football playoff, to be honest yep. with you, for that reason. Um, I look forward to seeing all, all of these teams here. I know we didn't do our top four, but all of my top four would be brand new playoff participants. Except yeah, for that, that would be awesome. Uh, Oregon and Utah rematch of a game a couple weeks ago that the Utes just smacked Oregon. Do we see this happening again? This, of course, this is at a neutral site, not in Salt Lake City. Is that right? Or is it is it on a campus site? I think it's neutral. Okay. I, I, th- I think it's in, it's at Levi's Stadium. Um, so I, I like Oregon in the rematch, the Mighty Ducks part two. I like the, I, I like the revenge game. I do too. Um, gazing into the crystal ball here, and by the way, it's in Las Vegas, uh, not 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 uh, not Santa Clara, Las Vegas. Uh, so yes, a neutral site. Uh, Oregon's gonna have more fans than they than they did in Utah. Um, nice little getaway, get away from gray, cloudy Oregon. Go to go to Las Vegas. Um, keep, keep those kids yeah. away from the Ferrari dealership. Is all else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I think Oregon gets the win here too. Yep. All right, of course, Baylor. We, we both thought that originally too. <laughs> yeah. So 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 far we've disagreed on all the uh, all the um, NFL, but agreed on all the college. Baylor and Oklahoma State, really really interesting Big Twelve title game. Everyone thought Oklahoma was going to be in it. Cowboys said, "No, you don't." Dave Aranda, yeah. by the way, Dave Aranda, a name that uh, that had been on some people's radars for coaching changes. I think he just signed a new deal with Baylor or signed an extension. Yeah, a lot of coaches are getting paid, and this is uh, this is Mike Gundy's favorite time of year because uh, everybody's always, you know, that there's always a team or two this time of year that looks at Mike Gundy, and Mike Gundy gets a nice fat extension or a raise. So um, look for look for that to be coming in the in the next couple of days. Uh, give me the Cowboys. Give me Baylor. Just for again, this is one of, another one of those just for shits and giggles. I don't know a ton about the matchup uh, coming in. Um, I know Baylor kind of – contrary to Big 12 belief, they like to keep the score a little lower than Oklahoma State does. I think that's going to dictate what happens here. Uh, if Baylor controls the ground game, 
uh, with Abram Smith, they're going to win. If if they can't, and Oklahoma State can uh, run that air raid offense, and Oklahoma State will win. But I think Baylor's going to win. Luke, remind me, did you pick Baylor over Oklahoma State as a surprise Indy earlier this year? I think I did. I, I think you did too. For some reason, this is ringing a bell. So. Um, you, you you get a you get a second crack at a at a surprise indie. So we'll see Gotta if you're right. Got to stick to the guns. Got to stick to the guns. ACC championship it. game, ACC championship game in Charlotte. Boy, they, they were talking about uh, ACC executives talking about how hard of a sell this was from a from a popularity standpoint. Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest is only an hour from Charlotte. They're going to have the crowd. I mean, it's not going to be a sellout, uh, but Wake's going to have the the close to the home field advantage. Um, this is a team, a game with two really, really great offenses. Uh, there's going to be a lot of points. Um, I, I know it's not, it does have the flash and dash of the name brands of the Clemsons and the North Carolinas of what was expected, but this is a really, really great football matchup. I, I love this game. If it was not for Georgia, Alabama, this would be my favorite game of the week easily. Uh, Dave Clawson just signed an, an extension with Wake Forest. Good on him. Uh, glad that they locked him down. Um, all, all, always fun to watch Pat Narduzzi defenses. We'll see what they're made of against this Wake Forest team. But I think the claw fence ends a dream season with an ACC title. Give me the Demon Deacons. The claw fence. Now, how have I not heard that all season? I'm going to go with not? it. I have not. And I live in Winston-Salem. Holy crap. That's what that's what it was called. He was he was the offensive coordinator for Philip Fulmer's last year at Tennessee. It is effectively <laughs> what got what got Fulmer fired was that off was that hire, and we called it the claw fence because that's it was amazing. just that's the only way you could refer to it really. Um, but yeah, so uh, he he ran that with uh, the honorable Jonathan Crompton or tried to run it. Crompton uh, Daddy's got wheels. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, anyway, I. I'm I'm pulling I'm pulling for Dave Clawson. I've liked him for uh, quite a while. I thought he got a bad rep here at Tennessee for the one year um, in, on an already sinking ship. He's done a great job to to build his way back up. I hope he ends it with an ACC title. I'm going to take Pitt here because I think they have the better defense. Uh, this yeah. it's obviously going to be a high scoring game. I think Pitt gets a couple takeaways. I think they get one more stop than Wake Forest does. I think they win like 52 to 49. It's going to be one of those games. That would be great. That would yeah, be I would, I, would love, great. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. And then the one we've all been thinking. Actually, let's do our surprise indies first before we finish with the big one. How do you feel about that? I, I, I like it because this all big right. one is big. It is the big um, one. My, my surprise indie, uh, we're going to the NFL because there's not a whole lot of college to pick this week. Um, going to the NFL, and I alluded to their struggles a little bit Uh as we talked about the Washington football team, I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks over the 49ers. Um, 49ers will probably be without Debo Samuel for that game, and he's basically their entire offense. Uh, the Seahawks uh, lost four games in a row for the first time ever with Russell Wilson. They lost eight games in a season for the first time ever with Russell Wilson. And I think that shit stops this weekend. They're too talented at the wide receiver position to be doing this garbage. Um, I think they're going to be more pissed off than anybody's ever been in a Seattle Seahawks uniform, and I think the Seahawks beat the 49ers. Mine's going to be the Broncos beating the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Chiefs are a 10-point favorite at Arrowhead. Broncos are playing great football right now, and they've got a chance 
at first place in the division if they can get this win. So I am going to go with Denver. The Denver Bronco Mendenhalls. <laughs> I don't know. Vic, Vic, I don't know. Vic Fangio just very nondescript. Doesn't you know? Doesn't doesn't do a whole lot. Doesn't make a whole lot of noise. But he's got the Broncos right in the thick of things in the AFC. They've got a very sneaky wide receiving core, and their running backs are dope. Oh yeah, Javante Williams, outside shot for rookie of the year, in my opinion. Dude, those he's, those he's Carolina amazing football. Those Carolina rookie running backs have been the real deal so far. And I Melvin Gordon. I mean, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is just—he's a rock, man. He is a rock. Yeah, quietly he, one he, of the most reliable running backs in the NFL over the last few years. He he does he doesn't have the top end that he had with the uh, just the uh, volume that he got in San Diego. San Diego, right? Not <laughs> San Diego. Um, he he doesn't have the volume that he got there, but he's still every bit the same running back. So with that in mind, as we go briefly to the NFL, but now back to a lot of guys who are, will be playing in the NFL in the near future but are still in college, the big one, Georgia, Alabama, potential college football playoff preview depending on what happens. You can't count the tide out. Yep. And this is, you know, this is Georgia's best team in a million years. I mean, this is the year. If they don't, if they don't knock Bama off now, they never will. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, that's fair enough. And actually, um, you know, as as we're recording this, the CFP rankings are coming out. Um, it, it it looks like it's going to be basically what we expect. But uh, Bama right now is not in. Uh, if they beat Georgia, they're in, and I think Georgia stays in. If Bama loses, they're for sure out. So Nick Nick Saban with his backup against the wall is. You, you you never want to be the the thing putting Nick Saban in a corner because Nick Saban's a dog that's going to fight back and most of the time wins. Um, four times in the history of the SEC championship game since game lines have been recorded, only four times has the underdog won this game. Two of those four times have been Nick Saban. Okay, those things alone. I, and I know we set a, a set aside a little bit more time to analyze this game, but. I don't really need analysis when I have 12, 15 years of reference material from Nick Saban to know that I'm going to trust him more in a big game than I do Kirby Smart. He's beaten him head-to-head -head in big games. Um, Kirby Smart's never beat Nick Saban, uh, so I'm going with Bama. And I, you took the words right out, right out of my mouth, honestly. Like... And just seeing the Iron Bowl this past week, Bama dead in the water, but they come back and 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 pull off that win. That's that's coaching first and foremost. I mean, Bryce Bryce Young is a tremendous quarterback, but he doesn't pull that off without Saban on the sideline. I think that's the ultimate edge. As much as I really want to pick Georgia, as much as I want to see some new blood, as much as it would be cool to see with a college football playoff without Alabama in it, I think that... Alabama's just too good. They're too solid. They've been around the block. They know what they're doing. Saban isn't going to steer them wrong, and they're going to find a way to win this football game. Yeah, and, and just another thing I was thinking about, really outside of week one, Georgia hasn't been in a fight. I mean, they were kind of in a fight with Tennessee for a couple of quarters, but really not. that They were, but they weren't. Um Bama has been in some really, really close games, especially that Iron Bowl where they had to grit out a win. 
And that this time of year, that matters. Knowing how to win close games where things don't go your way is something you should not just be learning once you get to the playoff. And that the Georgia team was never in danger of losing to Clemson. Their defense was never going to give up points. Um, their offense didn't play well, but Clemson's the second best defense in the country, in my opinion. So, um, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see where everything lands. But history tells you don't bet against Nick Saban. One hundred percent. That's that's the X factor in this game, and it's funny to call that an X factor because it's something that is so out in the open and it's so obviously going to be there, but that's, what's going to put Alabama over real quick to point out. Alabama is ranked third in this week's CFP rankings. So yeah. So winning it, winning in. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I mean, they're they're already in, but yeah, they they have the win to stay there. If they lose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And just, just you're seeing them right now. Who who do they obviously have Georgia at one? Do they have Cincinnati at two? Or uh, Michigan at two. It, you said they had Michigan at two. Let, let me let me pull it up because it was just going across the bottom of the Tennessee game. Um, they just came out. We have one Georgia, two Michigan, three Alabama, four Cincinnati, okay. uh, five Oklahoma State, six Notre okay. Dame. Okay, yeah. So that's that's about what we expected, I think. It's but that mismatch of those six teams that we all thought it would be. Good, <laughs> yeah. good to see Cincinnati in there, though, because that confirms Cincinnati – basically confirms Cincinnati winning in. Yep, 100%. And Cincinnati taking on Houston in a game where we both have the Bearcats. And, well, you heard it here. We both have the Crimson Tide in the SEC championship game. I, I know that we're already on a long-winded uh, podcast, but real quick, quick, Luke, let's say Georgia wins – now let's say Alabama wins. Okay, let's say Alabama wins. Let's say Michigan wins. Let's say Cincinnati wins and Oklahoma State wins. What's your four? Hold on, hold on. Say, go through that again. Yeah, so let's say Alabama beats Georgia. Okay. Let's say Michigan chalks and wins. Let's say Cincinnati chalks and wins. And Oklahoma State chalks and wins. That's easy. They're leaving Cincinnati, they're, they're leaving Cincinnati out. I, I, I kind of think so, too. They're, they're, no, I, I don't think so. I know so. If, yeah, if, I, if, if everybody has one loss, Cincinnati's out. So Cincinnati is the biggest Georgia Bulldog fans in addition to Cincinnati Bearcat fans. Yes, they, they would not put, they would not put, uh, they would not leave us an undefeated Cincinnati team out. But uh, they would definitely not put a one loss Cincinnati team in. They would make every excuse to keep them out. No, no, I'm saying if Cincinnati wins. Let's say Cincinnati's oh, undefeated. Oh, oh. Cincinnati chalks and wins. So we have we have one loss Georgia, one loss Bama, one loss Michigan, one loss Oklahoma State. All all three of them conference champions, and then undefeated Cincinnati. Oh, so they're still they're teams. still leaving they're still leaving Cincy out. They're they're still I leaving th- Cincy out. I think so too. Now that I look they're, at they're it, not they're not taking Georgia out. There's no way in hell they're taking Georgia out. No, I, I think the question is: Do you put Oklahoma State in over Cincinnati? I think, and, and if they the and if Oklahoma State wins their conference, yes, you do. Yeah, I I think so too. That's tough though, and probably the reason Luke Fickle's not going to be in Cincinnati next year because yeah, <laughs> to tie it all it. to tie it all together <laughs> back to the, the coaching carousel. But yeah, that, no, that's I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you asked because I I think that's I, I I do know for sure that if you know they will not put Cincinnati in there unless they absolutely have to. That, I mean, that, and, that's a really and, and right now, scenario. and right now, right now, they have to. 
And it, and if 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 chalk happens this weekend, then they have to also. But but if what you described happens, that then they don't. Yeah. So uh, if you're if you're a Bearcat, go buy some Bulldog gear, sport it, <laughs> speak, it speak it into existence, because that's really the only way they miss right now is if Bama wins. Yep, definitely. And no, it's gonna be no, it's gonna no be a great Saturday. It's gonna be a great it's Saturday. Be awesome. And this it's is be awesome. yeah. I, this is like that extra little bit of the milkshake at the diner they give you in the big metal cup. Okay. Yeah, like so, at a lot of diners they give you when you order a milkshake, you get the the glass, the glass glass, the glass with the milkshake and the whipped cream. But then they, then they give you the little bit of extra milkshake in a big tin cup, and it's this is what that that's what this weekend is. It's that that little last serving of of, of the, day a day full of college football. The milkshake that wouldn't fit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everything comes back to food on the right hash in one way or the other. Absolutely. But, um, that was great show. That was our, our that was our, our almost two hours, man. That was our longest show of uh, of of history of the right hash. I mean, it's the last real weekend of college football, um, guys. And, and, last game of the year, the, Brent. Last game of the year, Brent. You can't hold anything back. Yeah. <laughs> as as the bowl picks come out, guys, stay on the lookout. We might try to do a uh, a, a viewer type bowl mania. Uh, like pick them type thing, so you could pick against us. We'll we'll look into that, but um, I think that would be something really interesting to do. The bowls are always really fun to pick because we we get a lot of these uh random matchups you would never get. It's one of my favorite times of the of the season. Uh, yeah, I love love that about it too. Also, like to thank uh thank Tweak for the grinder uh question today. Uh, fostered some good discussion. Also, of course, like to thank Connor Lilly for jumping on way back at the beginning. Uh to uh, talk a little bit of UVA football, Detroit Tigers, and fantasy football as well. Uh, so another successful guest here on The Right Hash. And uh, tweet us at The Right Hash. You could be our next guest. Uh, your your question could be our next grinder question. Or, um, you know, we, we, we like to know what, what people want to hear. So at The Right Hash, just our show name. Uh, Alex is at 10 Man Jones. I'm at Radio Nag Carney. Connor, who you heard earlier, is at Lily Connor. And, boy, Alex, anything to add before you get to the Vols? No, just thank you, everyone, for the continued support um, as we pick up a couple more follows every week on Twitter and a little bit more interaction. Thank you, everyone, for the retweets. If you do, uh, help, sp- help spread the word. Um, keep submitting your your grinder questions. And just thank you for the fan interaction. It's been a lot of fun. It's why we do this. Yep, you, you heard it here. Um... We are we are our next show. We're gonna have plenty of uh plenty of reaction to what the co- final college football playoff rankings actually are. Uh, bowls will be announced next week, and we'll have plenty of that here on the right hash. Thanks a lot for listening to this mammoth episode, and we will talk to y'all next week on the right hash. Take care. Tell me, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down?